ठीक है सुन सब बैक टू द पॉडकास्ट दिस द फर्स्ट लाइव एपिसोड ऑफ कैश मार्केट सो दिस टाइम ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट वी हैव मैथ्यू एंड वी हैव तरुण सो विदाउट एनी फॉर्ड यू लेट्स जस्ट जम्प राइट इन टू इट सो हैव दिस हैव दिस लाइक वेयर रिचुअल ऑन द पॉडकास्ट राइट वेर आई डू नॉट इंट्रोड्यूस गेस्ट लाइक फर्स्टली बिकॉज आई एम बैड एट इंट्रोडक्शन ऑल्सो बिकॉज लाइक आई माइट फगेट इट देर लाइक वोट यू गेस्ट दैट्स वाई फर्स्ट क्वेश्चन हु इज मैथ्यू एंड हु इज तरुण लेट्स बिगिन विद मैथ्यू I am an industrial designer by craft. I graduated in 2019. In fact, me and Tarun we both are batchmates. We went to the same college as well. Uh we are also the co-founders of Sunday Grids. Sunday Grids is a, we are building something new called a digital solar platform. This is something that lets people reserve solar no matter where they are. I mean, you know, in what to what conditions what not. And yeah, we've been we started building this whole platform up since 2020 late 2020 like december is when we started out and yeah now it's been a year into the whole shenanigans <laughs> we are going on yeah going strong yeah so that's the story i guess yeah awesome right. all right what do you done introductions are something i don't particularly enjoy but uh yeah so <laughs> yeah so I, I, i'm a, like uh, yeah i'm a co-founder of something and i handle design and product over here And like Matthew mentioned, like we're building a platform that lets people go solar over the internet. Awesome. All right. So I have like a couple of questions. As you said, you were. Uh, see, if I'm not wrong, it was like a design college of sort, right? If 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 you can put it in yes. that way. Awesome. It, so, it is a design college. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, how relevant were the skills that you were taught there? Like, uh, are they relevant in the world right now? Like, where you're working? Like, did that whatever three four years of college help you? Yeah. Like, did it help Ooh. you while building the product? Ooh. Do you have like a counterpoint, uh, Matthew, to this? Like, how was your uh, experience like? I had a blast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so, MIT has a really good product design program, and in a way, I mean, now when I think back at it, like the whole the way that whole program is structured, kind of ended up becoming the reason why you know everything happened here as well. So, for example, what happens is like first year we have the same thing, regardless are you graphic designer, product designer, animator, filmmaker, you have your foundations of design. Of course, which like you start like working on like materials like for product design program, you start working on materials and stuff like what people usually think of as product design, right? right? And then as you eventually uh, go more and more like third year and fourth year, you're basically focusing more on service design and finally system design. In fact, a lot of the early beginnings of Sunday Grid was like part what came out of my system design as well. So over there, like we had to figure out how to build. businesses how to build our financial systems out of it we had to figure out so there were like a lot of these components like supply chain like there were different aspects to it so you know where like at that time we were like ah oh, why am i doing this but then you know when you out of it and now looking back at it a lot of it like helped out also not to throw a lot of this design thinking critical thinking jargons but um, it kind of like help us i think like karun you would agree right like help us like, yeah. have better mental models you know, yeah, you know so that's like, kind of what i meant by like what i said उंडलेजिंग 
so mm-hmm. if let's say i don't go to design college and i want to build something like this is that possible mm-hmm. is getting those skills getting that simulating that kind of an experience via the internet is that possible or like you need design college to get that kind of a mindset and you know sort of get the fundamental set if you know something like that i have honestly no answer to this mm-hmm. i'm like yeah i mean like there is nothing stopping you from doing it i guess yeah absolutely you could you could absolutely do it but being over there probably gave us a like a slightly more different kind of perspective and also figure out how people think that was one thing and then you know being immersed with the other people's talents and skills like you know so it was so much better to rip off on things like even between me and Tarun like back in college we used to like rip off on a lot of our ideas and so mm-hmm. so what essentially that helps us i mean so i i would say that would if you can find a good tribe that should be good enough you know what i mean it doesn't necessarily need to be a design college or whatever but as long as if you and the what these colleges do in my opinion is that they just increase the density of that tribe like you mm-hmm. can find more like minded people in a very smaller space that's essentially what they do so <laughs> i mean I, from that point of function yes that was kind of helpful but otherwise i mean i don't think anything really stops you from building it for sure what did you dis- dislike about college like what is that one thing you wanted to change mm to That's <laughs> the question that we probably want to say that we don't want. <laughs> <laughs> I I sure about it. Like, what do you dislike about college? I mean, like, are you looking at from an educational standpoint? Or? Yeah, fine. Curricularly, what's wrong? I mean, uh, I, mean I, I don't know. Now, probably looking back, I'm probably not that annoyed. But yeah, maybe when I was in college, some of these... Uh, Like I think, uh, at least some of the common complaints that you know that were there was that uh, sometimes the sort of evaluation that was a little too rigid for something would be very extreme. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, sometimes the evaluation methods were a little too rigid for uh, you know certain projects, which kind of required a little more of explanatory design. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Right now, looking back, I don't think I really had any problem. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So we're done with the introductions. So let's so let's sort of set context, right? So to set context, I want you guys to answer this question. Very simple question. Okay. How will you explain what Sundegrades does to a ten-year-old? Yeah, this was actually an assignment we put for ourselves for next week. So okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you you seen those wired ones, right? Where you talk to a kid and then talk all the way up to a yeah. postgrad. Yeah. So like we are like, oh, we should probably do that for Sundegrades and then like take it to different. All right. Here it is. I guess the simplest way of doing it. Sandegrades is a ten-year-old, no? Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Sandegrades is a way for you to reduce your power bills. That's the simplest. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is bells and whistles. It just reduces. All right. Do you have a different answer, Tarun? Um. Yeah, I mean, I need to think for a ten-year-old. interesting actually so like what a 10 year old thinks about right so the 10 year old probably knows numbers uh probably knows all the shapes colors uh light on yeah, light off that's all they're pretty smart i mean yeah, really like, especially these days man yeah for sure <laughs> yeah um yeah i think what matthew said kind of covers the the, the main value of what other things does mm-hmm. if you want to explain the infrastructure behind it um I guess we could tell them that you know we don't need spans on it. We still need register save on it. All right, all right. So like, let's let's sort of jump back to that point, right? Where you said reducing power bills. Let's elaborate yeah. on that. How does Sunday Grid reduce power bills? All right. So, uh, how? What are the ways you can reduce your power bill? In typical, all right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go from there. Either you can have more energy efficient systems, or you can make your own power, right? Now, typical way of how people make a lot of—I mean, oh, the, probably the only <laughs> decentralized way of you can make your own power is by adding solar panels to your rooftop. Gotcha. Here's a catch, though. Adding solar panels to your roof is not as easy as you think it is. Not in terms of technical complexity. But the kind of life decisions you need to take around that, okay. So number one, they can be quite expensive, right? So that is some of them. Second, you need a space to with enough sun to put this on, and for a lot of people, that means you need to have a roof, 
Okay, backtrack it. Not a lot of people have roofs. Spoiler alert. They live in a yeah. They live in apartment buildings. They live as tenants. Or if they have roofs, then it's not shade free because there's a lot of trees, especially in a city like Bangalore. Like, yeah, residential even over here. And some people just find them too ugly to put up as well. Like, especially where I come from in Kerala, like roof tiles are like the sexiest thing for them. Oh, for sure. Man, they they, they have good, like, like thing for them. Won't blame them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for them, like to you know cover up their really pretty roof tiles with like panels, that's like something. If you are going to decide to put panels on your rooftop, that means you need to be really convinced with the fact that you are going to be there for twenty-five years, mm-hmm. right? So essentially, so that's why I feel like when you look at okay, what kind of age demographics actually purchase this, you see a lot of thirties and forties, mostly because you know they are either settled in, they have a job, or like they have kids who go to a certain school. They're kind of like okay, this is my space, I'm done. But mm-hmm. if you look at us, like I'm probably this is like the fourth city we have <laughs> covered up, like like I mean, kept moving around and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's not something that I can say for sure that I'm going to be in Bangalore in next ten years or something. I can't make that decision. For sure. So yeah, so that's looking at financial. Then all the technical reasons of why you can't put anything on a rooftop. Probably you don't own the rooftop. And third, are you ready to commit for that long? Right. So, this is the way like a lot of people can't go solar right now, or mm-hmm. is not willing to go solar right now. But however, on the flip side, I don't think. The interest for going solar has ever been as high as it is today, right? Either from a climate point of view, or because of what's happening from a price point of view to the solar panels. Like you keep hearing, like, oh, the price is lowering so much drastically these days. But which means basically they end up becoming really good financial. Like you know, like it, there's now a financial angle to it as well. It's not like yeah, I want to do good for the planet. Let's do it. It's more like oh, if I do this, actually, if you look at the entire ROI of like having solar panels on my rooftop, they kind of like make me financial sense. So from now on, so. Mm-hmm. There is interest, but all those other aspects of it actually hampers it down. And uh, honestly, solar panels is one of the best ways. I mean, I'm tracking back to the whole climate thing. Mm-hmm. That is something that we really need to figure out in the next. <laughs> we don't know how many. I don't think we have more than two decades left to solve sure. our problems. Yeah, and uh, if you look at it, right, energy is like three fourths of the entire problem. Mm-hmm. literally if we can figure out a way to electrify everything that we use today and to make that electricity come from green energy or clean energy mm-hmm. we basically solved three fourths of the entire problem the what's left what's left is a little bit of agriculture a little bit of uh, manufacturing how we make cement and stuff slightly mm-hmm. more harder things to solve out and then a little bit of but if you figure out how to break, get clean energy and how to make most of the things that we use heat for uh, or like you know fossil fuels for if you can figure out how to convert them we are basically nearly there we have a solution at hand interesting so we will elaborate on this global warming uh, thing like probably in the later part of the podcast sure i have sure, like sure. i have like a very specific question about sunday grids right so how does sunday grids operate like is there like a clearly visible hierarchy or is it like zero average which is like a flat organization like how, how does that work at sunday grids how's like how's the culture like in sunday grids Ooh. All right. So right now there are like six of us working on different aspects of the product, and so Tarun mostly works on the design and product part of it. Like okay, the entire vision of what the product needs to be today and tomorrow. Like that's what basically he does. Nasir basically does all the heavy lifting in terms of the engineering aspect, figuring out that. Also, he's our uh, interim finance guy, figuring out mm-hmm. the whole thing. Uh, I mostly work on mostly on the strategy that's like you know figuring out and then the partnerships that we need building out right now those kind of stuff. So I would say it's very like everyone takes up a it's like you know blind people on the elephant kind of a thing. They're like we approach mm-hmm. the same problem from different angle and then we all have our different takes on it. Like we're like oh how do we think about users and how do we think about the product itself? How do we make the be sure the product is fast and efficient and you know those are different things. So I feel like it's a very Yeah, it's very fluid that way. It's very fluid. Now, how has hiring been for you guys? Like, you are six guys, right? So, I guess you three mm-hmm. started, like as, as the founding mm-hmm. members. How has hiring been? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you guys hire the next three people? And when did you realize that you had to hire more people? Like, when was that point? Mm-hmm. So, this is an interesting question because I think we are kind of like in a critical juncture with that. Mm-hmm. We are like, all right, so these are the skill sets we have, and these are the things that we need to for Sunday schools to work out. And okay, what are those remaining skill sets? And they were like, all right, let's get more people to you know, they get the people who have those skill sets to come to it. So mm-hmm. that's how we got our marketing folks. That's how we got some of our engineering folks, etc. 
<laughs> now we are like, all right. Now do we have the bandwidth to make all this? Like one person taking care of the entire design process is like crazy. So like, all right. Now we are looking into all right. How do we now bifurcate it, build playbooks around it, so that the different people of different, you know, wherever they are, can come and plug in and then basically build up. So that that's what I meant. Like you know, now we are thinking about hiring slightly different that way. But right now, when we started off, it was like, all right. So this is what we can do. And now this is what needs to be done. So we probably need other people to basically come help us to build those parts that we could not build it by ourselves. What do you look for in like a potential hire? Like what are the three things you want that this person should has as these three apart from like the skill set? Yeah. Let's say we are we are in an interview. Let's say I am the person who's going to you know potentially be a hire. So mm-hmm. what do you want? What are the three things other than the skill set? Ooh, this is funny. <laughs> I, I I just have like I mean at least all the folks like I have taken up or something. I, I mean beyond the capability to do what they they could do, mm-hmm. I think the only other metric I look at curiosity maybe. Like I I'm I'm really annoying to a lot of people because I have a lot of bias, but I also like other people who you know keep asking like okay why are we doing this? Why should this be done? So I think yeah that's the only other thing like you know how much of that curiosity they have to and also have that energy enthusiasm to basically take it up you know what i mean mm-hmm. like in terms of the ownership of the thing but also like to engage really with it's not like okay cool these are the ticket items so that we need to solve let's go one by one but rather to have a more holistic understanding of okay if i do this this is how the whole larger picture gets integrated i mean integrated. i feel like that's a lot of an enthusiasm and curiosity but that's it yeah and do, do you have like specific questions which you ask to like every uh, every person who comes in for the interview like something like very specific Hmm. I think that It's... kind of depends on the roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like Matthew mentioned earlier, we what we look at is uh, you know what type of enthusiasm and curiosity they have. So some of the candidates we've spoken to, uh, you know, well, when we interviewed them, they either didn't know what we're doing. Like they didn't check check us out before applying, or you know, even when they're talking about their work, they're not. It's just like pretty standard in the way they're talking. But there are some candidates who are very enthusiastic about what they've done, um, and they want to talk more about it. Or they they're very curious to know what we are doing and like what our plans are. Um, and those have led to some interesting conversations. That even if we've not ended up hiring them or like or they're wanting to work with us, uh, those are some pretty interesting conversations that you know like sort of helped us identify. uh kind of help us identify what we're looking for in future hires as well yeah yeah interesting there's one question though which is um so we are a very tiny team right so we are very mm. flexible the way we work as well and uh i'm pretty sure like even if not with the intent or oh, no i want to work for myself like a lot of these expected processes that basically garbage of it basically makes you like it. so one thing that we always ask is like hey imagine like you were to structure out your work day like, like how would you like to do it are you someone who would like to rather work in the evening or something so then you know we can like and i know this is not a scalable approach but since we are a tiny team now this is something that we really did love doing like uh, we do different people have different styles of working some like the days we come to office so some days we take days just for ourselves sometimes it's like oh i mean usually i don't want to start my day at like 10 or something i would rather mm-hmm. start it at like 2:30 and we are actually fine with it that's something like you know because we are a small team and we could do it and also i feel like that's nice if really different people have different times they get flow into their flow states and stuff so that also like really helps us then we have basically just make sure that we have similar enough checkpoints so that you know we all check out on each other but beyond that we'll give that autonomy for you to do whatever so that's like you know the kind of set weekly objectives Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so we set up weekly objectives and then like mm-hmm. Matty mentioned we uh like we're not going to sit and you know look at every day like how did you finish this and you finish this. Uh we let people, you know, take up their ownership and figure out how they want to spend their day or their week. And um yeah, and and the next week we basically all of us sit and see where we are at. And uh mm-hmm. yeah, I mean also I think because a lot of these things are working towards a common goal. Uh Yeah, I think it's a little easier sometimes to align with where we are. Interesting. How, how does your work day look like? Let's start with Matthew. Uh, starts at around nine. Mm-hmm. That's mostly the time I would spend then on Notion to see, okay, cool, what is done, what is to be done, and uh, yeah, if it's a Monday, there's a ton of calls, phone calls, and emails, that kind of stuff. But apart from that, so yeah, then sit over there. Like I mostly so. We'll probably have a bunch of calls with the, our growth folks, so that you know we talk about okay, cool. What are the different 
strategies we can deploy now what are the different so we are at a stage where as a company generally we are experimenting with a lot of different things more mm-hmm. more like instead of doubling down on things like all right let's try scoping it out in this experiment like a bunch of experiments and uh, with, with, with like uh, so i would i think in terms of work life balance i need to figure out a time to end it but it's just like it's where it also nice like i get time for myself also in between some of these things but yeah otherwise like it usually goes on around till 8ish and then mm-hmm. that's about it like uh, yeah like basically there's a lot of uh, i end up surprisingly doing a lot of writing throughout the day so that is like <laughs> one constant thing that keeps going on and then, yeah so yeah so those things and then yeah i work with uh, tarun on some of his design stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what about you, Tarun? How, how does your work there look like? Um, so I think it depends on the phase of uh, yeah. what phase we're on. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so right now, like Matt mentioned, we're setting up our new system and then get our new project live. So Can't hear you. Can't hear you. So like Matthew mentioned, we're setting up our new project. Um, and so for that, there are a lot of things to do. Like this, uh, from the product side, we have to revamp our website. We want to create a new pro- you know, app, um, dashboard sort of things. So... Um, Yeah so from that sense there's a lot of you know like uh work that goes into designing like purely execution based work then there's the whole you know thinking of what the customer journey looks like or what are the type of scenarios that can happen when someone comes to your platform then you have to think about the analytics and, and then the marketing side of things um and then at the same time we, we talk to uh, potential customers or like existing customers to kind of uh, understand if we want if there's certain experiments like we want to try out like in terms of could be a sort of ad campaign or some sort of messaging thing that we want to try we talk to a couple of people and then get their opinions and thoughts so uh, yeah i mean my day goes into like i think in the morning i probably send a few emails to i mean off late we've been getting a couple of lead uh, like emails some leads so we're just going to that and then yeah then it goes into my sort of individual uh, solo work then maybe in the afternoon we have a, like a collaboration collaborative work then yeah if we have a meeting or discussion that can happen So yeah I mean sometimes it's pretty packed I mean a lot of times I do sleep pretty late and I I mean sometimes I even like to work late at night if I mm-hmm. need some you know that individual time to get my things done So yeah but it's fun Interesting All right how does your like team management stuff work because you guys use notion right other than that what other tools you guys use how do you implement and how, do, do you actually teach every new hire like okay yes I use karna ga like how does that work oh. Yeah so I think Matthew has something interesting there uh so so yeah i mean like we all use notion for the uh, all our documentation and like uh yeah i, I mean kind of everything that requires the, that needs to be sort of automated but we we have this thing where uh, when we hire someone whether they're a freelancer or if they're a full-time person uh we mail a document for them where we essentially call it like a non-boarding document or something where we kind of explain we talk about all the people they're going to be working with uh then you know what we are expecting from them what is our goals what are we trying to we sort of give them a sort of overall image of what problem we can solve uh and then we have like you know we we have our own communication style i mean a lot of async work methodologies that we have sort of applied and we kind of give them a explanation and a tutorial of how they can document their work or refer to our work when they need to you know, uh look at the status or like or, or inform us about certain things so um So yeah, I think like the first three days we sort of take them through that. We let them, you know, and then le- le- we let them explore or figure out how they want to incorporate that methodology for themselves. Um, and yeah, and then obviously like yeah, and then it's just like you know, continuation and refinement of that. Interesting. Like going to you, Matthew. Like, how does what does a good notion look like? Like, like probably for the team. <laughs> wow, this conversation has gone far from Sunday grade. That's on to a whole different level. Nice. Hey, uh, uske baare mein question hai. Don't worry. Acha, acha. No, no, no. Like, no, no. Matthew is always happy to answer questions on notion. So please, no, yeah, like. What does? What is the question again? What does a good? What does a good notion workspace look like? existential crisis questions man um so i i think uh, i mean initially my stuff used to be very dense like you know put up as many things as possible create as many tools as possible but now i feel like like with more people coming in like that can be a lot jarring for a lot of people to see a bunch of things in one place and stuff mm-hmm. so i i feel like uh we have really nice segmentation i think like to i think work blocks is one thing that really worked out quite well right so far mm-hmm. like yeah okay so as essentially what we do have done is like we have uh, taken up the entire pipeline of work that we have and we have broken down into these tiny bits called work blocks 
and each of them basically is a set of things that you fill in before you start like okay who is going to be the leader of this who are the other members of the session like you know if you're going to brainstorm around and then what is expected like you know duration around what what kind of an appetite you have to work around this like is it something super critical or something that is chill that you know something it's like bug pick what not and then you basically have those and then essentially whoever is the leader of that block basically has complete say in what happens over there it, that it's that person's block like mm -hmm. a, a block think about it as like a piece of that kanban board that we have mm -hmm. a notion but but essentially whatever happens over there where does where does it go what not com complete control goes into and what happens inside it is also like on the and then essentially what we do is like uh, as i mentioned like you know each block is built into different members of the session and they come meet up and they're like okay cool before we start anything like that's something that we realized or learned while trying to work i think during the pandemic as well is that a lot of like to, in order to avoid a lot of repeat and in order to avoid a lot of miscommunication what we do is we write down everything that you know we want out of it like we think we start from it's kind of like working backwards like you know okay cool this is what the end state should look like and mm -hmm. then and then this we kind of scope it backwards and then like all right so this is the stuff we need to do and post that whoever is like in control of the block then they decide to i mean they figure out how to navigate through it and and that's kind of nice because that gives us entire ownership of it and also gives everyone a really good uh an eagle side view of what's happening everywhere because it's all on a kanban right uh that's something that we've been trying and it's been pretty nice for us actually Mm, yeah, but I feel like so. If you come to uh, my notion page, it's going to look extremely different from NASA's notion page. Extremely different from Darren's notion page, and then there's SketchUp. <laughs> yeah. SketchUp. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like stand-up and SketchUp. Okay, whatever. So uh, okay. we essentially okay. Tell yeah, me more yeah. about that. Like, like for like daily stand-ups, right? Like before you start doing something like that. Sort of. Yeah, with a lot more puns involved in it than it needs to be. But yeah. Aja. More. Tell yeah. me more. What does SketchUp do? <laughs> Oh, that's like a space that, so uh, the thing is like, we delegate it into two sets, like how much of me time do I need and how much of space I have to basically have a discussion with you. Okay. That's basically, like, Tarun has a really nice experience, solo work and collab work. So, you know, basically divide it. And we put out ticket items, like, you know, according to like, this I can do with you, like, you know, I, then we schedule timing around those and then put it up there. But otherwise, like, you know, okay, this is the set of things that I need to do today. And this is the stuff set of the stuff that I have done yesterday. So that basically gives us a tracker of okay, cool, what all needs to be executed and what all got executed within that time frame. And then essentially, yeah. So essentially, what this helps us is that we don't need to get on a lot of calls. We don't need to get on a lot of you know overall discussion at catch all right, etc. Because mm -hmm. everyone can come over here and then basically see all right. Right now, the people who is working on this is working on A, B, and X, Y, Z. Like that whole process kind of becomes like yeah. But, but again, dude, like, I feel like uh, at different capacities, you need very different sets of things. Like, this is what works currently for us. But I'm pretty sure if I listen to what I'm saying right now, like, probably 10 days from now, I'm going to be like, what the heck, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, like, it really depends upon what scale and, you know, what you're trying to do as well. Yeah. For sure. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's jump back to the NGO part, right? So uh, we, we had a call before and you said you worked in an NGO. So did you, like, an, like adopt any work policies from there to Sunday Grids? Mm. What did you what did you learn in the NGO while working there for I think you worked there for a year, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so I told you the reason why I went there, right? Like, I kind of wanted to get some grassroots level experience on what's happening in the solar space, how it's how is it happening, like you know, at local installation levels and stuff like that. So I got a lot of that. Like there was there was a really great design team over there, and being an NGO, one thing with them is that it's you really need to be thrifty with everything you just can't go paint what you want or use what material you want you need to be really careful of what you're using because everything costs and mm -hmm. NGOs like especially that they have a very streamlined cost and budgeting right so that was a really nice experience because like you know when you're in design school basically you're basically an ivory tub of sorts you're not really worried about oh this externalities world real life externalities so mm -hmm. being in that space and then also we had like a ton of projects so being able to execute fast at the same time to have a really sense, good sense of like okay this is what it's gonna cost in terms of time and energy and everything else that was like a really interesting space uh in terms of yeah so i would say that was most and then yeah i got to like travel a lot so because i was in, like we used to go to different places Manipur, like andhra like you know been traveling all over 
and whenever we do, we basically like you know get to know what like different perspectives of people, like you know where they're coming from and what kind of occupations they So that was like for a personal thing, but not really for Sunday But like that like helped a lot. Actually. Interesting. All right. What about what about you, uh, Tarun? You did a internship, right? In like a film studio. Uh, no, but yeah, right. But after finishing college, I was working at an IT company. Uh, so I worked there for about two and a half years. And um, yeah, I think one of the interesting things was that I worked on a couple of complex enterprise projects. Uh, hmm. uh, so that obviously helped me sort of sharpen my design skills and like, uh, you know, system being able to understand overall systems and what all is required to go into a project. Um, and yeah, I mean, like Matthew mentioned, like in college, all your projects are you can make a lot of assumptions, you can skip a couple of things because they don't really matter. You just have to submit a response. But um, yeah, while you know, working at the company, yeah, I mean, essentially your decisions, whatever decision you're making has to have some sort of end state, like it has to be achievable. Like mm-hmm. I can't just design something that, you know, uh, you know, either there's no framework to develop that or if, or if it doesn't make sense from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I think those were pretty useful uh, things that kind of helped me uh, take that and, you know, be able to apply that at Sunday Games because here the challenge is even bigger in the sense that um, there's, you know, like at least when I'm working at some other company, there are always other people to like, you know, be your safeguard or like have the ones who make the final decision or the final say. But here we are the ones who sort of have to ensure that, okay, if option A cannot work, you kind of have to figure out what your next option is, or you already should have figured that out. Um, so yeah, I think like some of those skills from my previous experience did help. Um, uh, and I think your next part of the question is something about culture. Uh, yeah, culture, also, like, and also about your internship at a film studio. Like, how how is that? Um, yeah. So while I interned at a film studio, uh, I didn't. I was not working on a film project. I was working more on a sort of educational, pro, like a experiential learning project. Um, hmm. So that was a pretty cool place. Uh, it was called. Uh, I, am I? Can I name them here? Or? Fine. It's on you. Um, yeah. So they were. Called, I mean, the name was Memsis Culture Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're a studio in Goa. So they had a pretty cool office, and they had a very you know, like very laid back and chill culture. But when I say laid back, they're also extremely hardworking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were a couple of different projects. There were some people working on films. I think they recently made something called OK Computer, a uh, uh, short movie, I think. And we were working on some sort of educational um, platform, like a friend of mine and I, uh, where essentially, um, you know, like people can sort of, uh, so I said the platform was going to find some sort of men- mentor who was, or let's say, uh, some sort of yoga mentor, maybe some uh, mm-hmm. special type of cooking or something. Uh, and these are life skills, not like uh, not a skill that you sort of go get a degree for, or like oh. something that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then you get a group of people, and you can you know you go to a particular place, and then you learn in that particular place about that skill. And there could be some cultural references to that too. So um, yeah, I mean that was kind of fun because I think that was my first like professional system design project. Um, and like I mentioned, there were different types of people there. Like, not a, it was. I don't even know how to really describe that office. Like, I don't know if it's a startup or if it's a product company. It was just cool. It was just interesting. What's it about the office? Like, how, how different was, is so, it? So it was a it was a fancy villa in okay. Goa. Okay. And um, and people come there and they're working very comfortably, but they're like, they're working. Like everyone, it's not like hmm. just because it's a house, people are chilling or like relaxing all the time. Like people have their, you know, like they do take their breaks, they do relax as well. But it, it just it was, I think, because the workplace is so beautiful, like it was a good looking villa of sorts. So like, and, and again, you, you're in Goa and sort of like a peaceful area of Goa. Um, yeah, it just, it always felt very calm to work there, even when there was like work at like. If like given a chance, would you uh, convert your current office space to that one? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of living in Goa, but l- mm-hmm. let's say I could, you know, you, I could sort of replicate that environment within Bangalore. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. And I guess working from remote right now, like you, you have like a physical office space and stuff. Yeah, we do have a physical space, but yeah, we, we work out of the office itself. Yeah. What, but we we sort you. of hide. Yeah, good. I couldn't catch you, Matthew. What is that? Oh, sorry. No, I was saying we work out of Zarada's office here. Oh, so, like, okay. They, they have mm-hmm. they given us like a co-working space, and then we work out of that. Interesting. All right. So the next question, let's, let's jump into like sort of the meat of the conversation. So the very last question. Um, mm-hmm. What was the toughest call you took uh, as a team at Sunday Grids? Like probably recently. What is that? 
Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, okay, so here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. We new cover entire product every three months in a way. Product. Product every three months. If, if How we, many dev sprints do you have? There. We we nuke it like mm-hmm. is it like all right no but I mean we we don't nuke it because like oh you know time for something new something shiny and new but we do it because like you know somehow surprisingly we have always got like you know built good insights on top of it we were able to like talk to our users and get like and then we're like oh you know what something that like, clicks up and then we're like yeah okay now this needs to be a narrative flow that needs to clean up and then we're like all right time to go back to the drawing board and then like build it up so. and in doing that as well like there's always a lot of like engineering choices like what stack what product like you know what i mean like there's a lot of those choices as well. but so sometimes some of these <laughs> nuking essentially like hmm we need to rewrite a lot of things that we have done so far <laughs> yeah so yeah that happens quite often yeah so like tough decisions are not like once in a while blue moon thing so it like happens every now and then like ah, but we spend so much time on this so like now let's do it and then <laughs> interesting yeah. awesome so okay first question is like so um ever since i got to know about solar energy right, i had this very boiling question what's stopping it from becoming like mainstream like how similar is this to how like petrol cars got popular and people switched to petrol cars from cars like how how similar is that to this why isn't it become popular was it so good right on paper like everybody knows solar power is good the power is coming from the sun man like why why isn't it mainstream so i can think of two reasons one is petrol you know where to go get it you can get mm-hmm. it anytime you want to right mm-hmm. the intermittency of the source itself is like the biggest hassle it has in a sense like that mm-hmm. the sun goes down or it's noon and then there isn't any which is why when we think of solar i think it's kind of half just half the story and the other half of the story is storage storage is obviously the second half of the story so right now solar has yes declined rapidly in terms of cost that you know now it makes a lot of sense to build many financial products on top of it similar to sunday grid that well. on the other hand battery is something or like storage is something that is still need to be figured out so that is the second part of what we do the grids part essentially the biggest battery we have is the power lines itself it technically it is a battery of sorts so mm-hmm. you know basically you can feed in the power and then if you have a net metering which is essentially feed in power a surplus power to it and when you want it you take back one out of the power line so that is uh, so that needs to be much more robust in our country that infrastructure itself is quite lacking and secondly when solar power is used Uh, rather put to the grid at a much cheaper rate that mm-hmm. actually is you know a lot of because of uh, vested interest it basically conflicts with discoms and then energy generators who basically the coal and the oil guys etc right so mm-hmm. yeah so essentially there's a lot of um, i would say there's a lot of resistance to it from that oh like you know to plugging in solar and stuff like that like from a government level there's there we have seen like a lot of resistance in some places like there some states have really good policies but in general some other states like oh we don't let net metering above certain limits or we don't give that x y z why is that so why is that so so okay uh, let's say you are a power generator that mm-hmm. has put okay like you have coal or something so essentially when you put the power to the grid right like basically solar has got so cheap that it's actually cheaper than the power that you're putting up these are not very instantaneous things these uh, coal plants and uh, natural gas plants and i think they have they take a lot of time to like basically get to that optimum performance scale so this constant ramp and ramp down that has cost because of this intermittency of 
renewables in general, wind, solar, etc. That has caused a lot of issues. But these, right, uh, when I say these are issues, these are not inherent first principles issues. It's just that we have built our grid the current way it is. The moment we start like rethinking about, okay, cool, how do we build, go about building a smart grid? These are things that we can actually solve down the line with a lot of like taking storage mechanisms and whatnot. Building a smart grid, so, can you clearly elaborate on that? Building a smart grid. Right now, the grid is very unidirectional. It, there's hmm. a source, it produces power, it goes to whoever it is, right? A smart okay. grid is something that understands or can predict, all right, this is what the requirements, the load capacity requirements are, number one. Second, it does not have a single source of power. It's not unidirectional, it's a bi-directional thing. Right. So you as a consumer are not just consuming power, but you can also put power back to it. Right. So it becomes a network. Think mm-hmm. about it. It's less of a, like right now it is a water pipe. Okay. What we need to build is an internet where it can go both ways. Too. Okay. Interesting. Get it? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So I might, I might kind of sound absurd. Okay. But like the only reason uh, why veganism hasn't become like popular right? because there aren't any like cheaper or like better alternatives is, do you think that's the same with like solar do you think if better and cheaper alternatives come in uh things definitely. will get better definitely how how's how's uh centigrade's trying to solve it like how how okay let's let's change this question right how is centigrade's actually reducing the cost like in detail like you as you mentioned last time two days ago on the call even in detail how's that happening um okay i think uh all right so I'll break this question into two parts. Mm-hmm. Okay, one is what does Centigrade do, and how is it better than regular solar that is out there? Sure. All right. So, what does Centigrade do is essentially, as I'm as in the first part of like this, this, this thing, like this, essentially, you know, either you can't install or like high cost or like you know you mm-hmm. don't have the willingness to put it on like on your rooftop. Essentially, when you come to the root cause of all this, is that solar right now is very much coupled with your physical space. Your physical space determines how many panels you can put on top. And whether you know that space is good enough to have good enough sunlight, you have south-facing roof, there's no shade, yeah, yeah, etc. The physical, the physicality of it is the biggest constraint. So, what Sundays does is, or like what we have thought about doing it is, can we decouple that doing? Does solar actually have to physically be where you are? Hmm. All right. So, what we have done is, we have basically built a system where the solar panels can be anywhere else, and you as a user can come to our platform and you. As long as you're anywhere in India, you can come to our platform, you can reserve capacity that of the solar farm that we have installed somewhere. All right. Think about it much like AWS. Instead of having your own servers, you mm-hmm. basically have one that is like elsewhere running on its own. Sure. So you could so you can come, you can reserve what you want. Now once you reserve, right? Here I mean so far of the idea like sounded very nice to us. But mm-hmm. the second part of the problem is it's a very hardware level problem. Like how do I let's say the first system is in Bangalore and you are in Delhi, just saying. Right? Mm-hmm. How do we like deliver this power that is produced in Bangalore all the way to Delhi? Like we can't draw wires that long ago, sure. that far off. Like. Mm-hmm. This is where we kind of realized, like just like with solar on your rooftop, the purpose of putting solar is to reduce your power bills, mm-hmm. right? And that is that is a financial component. That's a you know basically it's a bits level issue, not an atoms level issue now, mm-hmm. right? So essentially, what we have done is we have identified like we basically installed this system on top of like you know our hosting partners these are essentially commercial and industrial groups like hospitals schools that's like the kind of audience we are looking for we install them at no cost and basically instead we charge them a tariff hmm. right for every power that is produced you basically give us let's say five rupees six rupees whatever now hmm. what happens is this system once we install it on these routes right this is when you and i as residential users it becomes available for reservation on sunday goods platform Okay, so w- once you come over here, you can say, all right, so my consumption is around, like, say, 2,000 rupees. I probably need, like, a 4 kilowatt system. And, like, and you reserve that 4 kilowatt space on the panel that we have put up. All right, now, for whatever power is generated from it, you don't consume it. Rather, the school, hospital, whatnot, they consume the power. And in turn, they get, you get these credits onto, we have built a wallet. You get these credits on this wallet. Right mm-hmm. now, what this lets us do is right now in India we have a, like a really amazing fintech stack. You can transfer money from any point to any point like at really blazing fast speeds, and you know basically also access to make things like UPI whatnot. Like this has really got us access to these financial tools as well really quick. So now what happens is 
essentially you have a wallet where you get your credits now think about fast forward one month has passed by it's time for you to pay your power bills hmm. all right and say your power bill is around 2000 rupees and you come to sunday grids you see that you have from the system that you have reserved you have got like say 1500 credits or something hmm. you can use those credits to basically you can add those credits to your power bill so now all you have to do is you don't have to pay 2000 rupees you have you can you need to pay only 500 bucks hmm. all right so yeah. on a month on a monthly basis this keep generating these credits that can be linked to your utility account so every when you go to like check out your meter you have a utility amount which you have to add to basically pay on google pay as well right mm-hmm. yeah the same thing so basically what our platform does is we can fetch your bill we can see what your bill bill amount is and we basically can then communicate with the wallet tell yeah add so many credits to it and then basically you get an offset so hmm. i know the process looks convoluted but end of the day it's the same thing that happens you have solar panels you reserve mm-hmm. either for your physical like if it's a rooftop you put it install it up there on our platform you reserve it end of the day basically because in one in scenario number 1 in when you install it on your rooftop essentially because you consume the power from the panels over there you now have a lower power bill because you consumed sure. less from the grid here mm-hmm. you don't have to go out of your way to do anything you still continue using it from the grid itself right but then you use these credits to basically offset it so basically if you were to pay 500 rupees here you would still end up paying 500 rupees you be basically mm-hmm. have got a point of parity essentially a one is to one thing even though the systems and the mechanisms are different like installing solar and reserving digital solar essentially gets you to a parity point now that is what sunday grid does mm-hmm. now in terms of how like how does it better and how do we increase that option thing uh fundamentally i we believe that anything that can be faster better and cheaper wins hmm. in terms of like sure. like if you can if you can make something you know, increase that sort of delta between how much faster and better you can make it like i think that's where people can so here are the ways it happens now let's say you had to install solar panels on your rooftop mm-hmm. that we are looking at somewhere around like a 3 to 4 month process permits figuring out site design installation what not it's a it's a process right rather let's say you come to sanjay it's tops going to take you 3 minutes because all you have to do is come check out choose just a reservation and check out that mm-hmm. all right so it has become much faster now in terms of better i would say because a you don't have any any i mean hassle of making this run second it's also better because let's say you're moving around right mm-hmm. like today i've decided like from the bangalore i'm moving to delhi let's say i'm in delhi all i do i don't need to haul my solar panels with me all i have to do is go read that number and then basically add it to my thing and basically now i can offset my bills from my delhi mm-hmm. house or wherever sure. i stay right now the most fundamental thing it becomes way cheaper because what happens is there's a lot you solar panels essentially is a unit economic scheme in mm-hmm. a sense like if you have more the per cost reduces sure mm-hmm. right so let's say you as a residential user when you install this panels right you're probably going looking for somewhere around 3 to 5 kilowatts or something right so but the installations we do for commercial spaces that's at the scale of 100 to 200 kilowatts mm-hmm. right then nearly a 10x increase or something that that's what happens over here so essentially what happens is the cost per watt that it requires to install the system reduces dramatically as well and this uh, this savings on cost that gets transferred on to you as well so essentially mm-hmm. what we have actually figured out when we were modeling this other day we figured out was like if you take 3 kilowatts of solar on digital solar on sunny grids or if you take 3 kilowatts on rooftop solar you actually it's much cheaper to get 3 kilowatts on digital solar than it is to get on rooftop solar so hence it becomes cheaper Yeah. Alright. Like, was so, that one problem with solar that you guys are not able to solve? Like, that one shortcoming that you you don't know the solution to. So, I mean, I I would say intermittency is the biggest issue with solar. Mm-hmm. Like, you you can never I mean say like if a cloud comes on top or something else happens, like you how do you say like okay good? Uh, so that intermittency is a huge issue. Like, can we make can we say for sure tomorrow that yeah, we can? produce x amount of energy if you can do that that actually solves like a lot of it but then the intermittency is an issue and um, but that's an issue that is inherent to the nature of solar itself right mm-hmm. so that's not something that i'm looking at as a yeah so that is one thing with solar mostly secondly i mean this is slightly from the consumer side is that one issue we have is like people need to understand solar mm-hmm. and how solar works and then on it's a layer on top of it to understand how digital solar works mm. right so it's like a two step education 
So we have mm-hmm. to, yeah. So that, but that's again a process that again, as we grow this out and as we build more educational touch points, we feel like, you know, that's something we can solve out in the future. But again, that is the whole thing of like, people need to understand the fundamentals of how solar is to then understand the value of digital solar overlay. When do you think will solar become like the primary source of power? Let's say pan India. When do you think that's happening? Or it will only remain like something like an overhead uh, type situation that you install to reduce cost of phototypes. Like when do you think will that happen? Will that change? Honestly, to do our net zero goals right now, we need mm-hmm. to like, you know, as of now what India wants to be net zero by 2070 something. And mm-hmm. my other countries are like, you know, much more aggressive, much has, thankfully has much aggressive timelines to it. Someone 2030, someone's 2050, whatnot. But so it's mostly going to be wind and solar. And out of that, like solar, especially in India, right? If you look at it from a geographical point of view, because of where we are, we're a pretty sunny nation. Mm. right if you look at all over the world like we get some of the most sun, sunshine per sure. 365 days mm. so of all resources like wind you probably have a few corridors Tamil Nadu like Rajasthan like you have a few corridors where you get like good heavy wind but beyond that so energy at the same time to be resilient needs to be decentralized or rather distributed not, not decentralized like a more mm. distributed in a sense like it needs we need to be able to generate it everywhere and everywhere so out of that that is going to be solar like solar has the best availability to do that second it being a very solid state thing right it's like a solid state versus like there are no moving parts to solar panels sure. it's just like mm-hmm. one thing like you put mm-hmm. up there. so so essentially what again this helps us in it helps us in like basically putting this in much more places than we can do any other energy sources right so okay. mm-hmm. yeah so I, I would say like in another 20 years for sure we need to I'm not saying it would happen, but we need, we need to, to. We need to stay with our targets and everything else. Yeah. Interesting. Let's let's come back to global warming, all right? So, you said you were too interested in global. What warming. a fun topic! Yeah, what a fun topic! What what was like? Why did you get interested in global warming? Like probably back in the day. What made you be like, okay, this is a topic I need to research about? Uh, so I mean, I don't know. So it it was, it was always like a topic that like. You know, you, one of those big uh, generational problems that we need to solve. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, right? Like, like if we're like, all right. So, to this generation, what are the biggest things we need? To Probably, we need to rethink capitalism. That could be one thing. But uh, eventually, like, one of the things is like, how do you figure out climate change? Right? That's like one of the looming threats of this generation. Mm-hmm. So that, that's obviously there. But then, for me, that was like more of a personal journey in a lot of ways. Twenty eighteen, there was this massive floods in Kerala. Massive mm-hmm. floods. And then we had a lot of damage, like personally, like to my mom's buildings and whatnot and everything, like the big match. But that was like an anomaly. And then the same thing happened in much more severity the next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, when two things happened like that, I'm like, oh, all right. This does not seem like a one-off anomaly. This is something. Sure. So that's kind of when like I got like, oh. And around the same time, I got to see this uh, thing from National Geographic where they kind of said, okay, the state of the world in 50 years or something. And they show like you know the, if the ice caps keep melting in the way it is mm-hmm. right now the what the so Kerala is not there West Bengal is not there Bombay is not there like literally mm-hmm. those sure. parts of India is yeah, not yeah. there all right I'm like dude that's my home <laughs> I'm like oh fuck <laughs> yeah I don't know so that was kind of like a starting point and then there's like so then like I went to my HOD and they're like yeah I need to sit and work on this for me so that's and anyways like I was like this now is like a topic that I'm really into like I don't know, into in a sense like I kind of want some closure in some way at least like oh well, I can do something about it so that's kind of when we started off and then yeah yeah and that's how I started like yeah and then that just like kept going on and on yeah and that's when like I was telling you earlier right like it seems like energy is the biggest problem we solve if we can sure. solve for energy we can I mean that's like the it has the most outsized impact of all the things we can do mm-hmm. and like, then yeah how, how difficult is it to separate the politics from the science like with regards to global warming like uh, how how badly does like lobbying uh, affect the policy making? Uh, dude, we are a two-year-old company, mostly designers and engineers. <laughs> there is anything you could say that is not like said before, or um, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. It's as messed up as it looks, I guess. I mean, you saw, you saw don't look up. Looks, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you saw don't look up. Uh, don't uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Did you? Oh uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so I, I, I I I I didn't need it. I think. <laughs> Oh, I mean, what do I say? I, I don't. I don't think I have anything more to say that uniquely ours that it is said because politics is a topic. I mean, rather 
our, our space is mm-hmm. mostly on all right what do we do and what can we build rather than interesting politics yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you think like awareness helps anymore like right now yeah, yeah. do you think yeah, it does yeah absolutely i think climate communication is like one of the biggest problems like we have up in the air fancy technology what not but mm-hmm. that doesn't matter unless we get that communication nailed right feel like yeah so yeah we need more art we need more movies we need, we need more art. things okay. like hmm? yeah like we we need a lot of this bunch yeah. of things it's not like a it's not i don't, I don't think this is like a technology I, even though we are working in the technology uh-huh. aspect of it i honestly don't think technology alone is going to solve it So we need so, we yeah. need like more uh, sensationalization at least in that field probably like let's say in india spe- very specific let's say a, a movie something like that which might sort of light Could up the bulbs a couple of Could probably the, the masses the, right yeah mm-hmm. but the problem with sensationalization is it's so easy for people to get turned off also like sure. this is such yeah. a big pro- such a big problem that i cannot i don't think i can do anything about it so we do, i mean that kind of despair i mean they're just increasing more to the despair out there than trying to solve things but yeah i think we need to build more hopeful things So, yeah mm-hmm. okay wow this conversation has got so meta right now <laughs> yeah. yeah all right so uh, we're almost right. at like the end of the conversation uh, end of the podcast so uh, what are the three things you'd like to say to the viewers the viewers are like the average demographic it's like 18 to 25 at the moment mm-hmm. uh, so what's your three line message to these guys before you yeah, like so you go for it that. i've been i've been talking for the last 10 minutes <laughs> you go for it <laughs> i i i have not said i think you should oh damn <laughs> what damn. kind of an answer is that <laughs> like okay okay let's say your 18 year old self tarun what would you say to like the 18 year old mm. yeah it is going to be very different uh can't you i was saying 18 year old tarun is very different mm-hmm. uh yeah was, uh, wait give me a second hmm actually in the meantime you can go ahead um uh, uh I think a lot of the like I think it's something that like sort of like I think this has changed my perspective in a lot of ways it's like uh when we talk about climate it's always like oh no we're going to die or no the ice caps are going to melt like yeah 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 I I feel like right now we need to figure out that's why I was saying like communication is important like we need to figure out how to be more hopeful about this I'm not saying hopeful is in like there's a utopia level hopefulness but I'm like yeah this is something if we I mean we are smart apes okay end of the day we are pretty smart apes I think mm-hmm. like in one way or the other we can figure out I mean we can figure a way around this but that requires more than technology it because the intersection of policy it requires the intersection of arts coming in like so there is those two things but end of the day I would say is like regardless I'm I'm not saying like always going solar is probably your best option I mean I I would personally say it's the best option right but I'm not trying, I don't want to peddle anything but I mean like yeah I mean uh we need to if we need to really figure out a pathway for mm-hmm. like transition to sustainability it does not necessarily i mean we need all the kinds of tools we need and w- what are the most low hanging fruits you can do start with those and but at the same time like you know a lot of these things need system level changes like mm-hmm. that's one complexity with energy like a lot of people like oh like i'm interested let me try compost let me try collecting up plastic or you know what i mean like let me try dipping things these are all great stuff but mm-hmm. when you look into like our personal footprint i i don't necessarily assign to the idea of footprint uh like how much you, like a lot of this is like very systemic level things but i mm. think what do you I mean by that like the footprint is just like, like individual consumption of some sort you're trying to say it's more of like a collective uh, organization level like problem that's what you're trying to say like you and i what could we do about energy generation having so much of this one or what do you and i could do in terms of yeah cool uh of the way we produce cement today you know what i mean mm. like mm-hmm. this this seems like these seems like issues that are systemic level but the thing is like i i mean i think there is this neoliberalistic viewpoint that you can vote things with your money sort of a thing i feel yeah. like that is, that's probably not very um <laughs> i mean they tried that regenerator tried i guess <laughs> but yeah mm-hmm. uh, i would say i don't know I, i would essentially say like yeah we really need to figure out systemic changes and that would also include figuring out you know assigned to new systems of thinking as well a lot of it like all right yeah so i will go for go those things i would say yeah. interesting all right tarun are you ready okay. to answer yeah sorry go for it hmm um no i mean i guess uh, yeah i think like what happened can't hear you can't hear you oh, sorry uh yeah no like 
uh, like Matthew mentioned, like I think we sh- we can still be hopeful, even though it looks like there's not a whole lot of time when you look at some of these charts. I mean, a lot of times some of these climate education is very like doomsday like, which I kind of get. Like there is a level of emergency needed, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, like I, I guess you know, like you know, I, like I think now we should start looking at how you know we can like like how you know. Previous generations, they a lot of the ideation was to solve certain problems of theirs, you know, of that era. But like, I mean, now if we, if people can start, um, you know, joining hands to solve, you know, the problem that we're trying to solve here, but in a you know sort of hopeful and smart way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Awesome. Uh, it's been great talking to you guys. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll do a part two someday. So yeah, uh, guys, yeah. we have mentioned uh, both of your social. I mean, we have mentioned both of these guys' social media handles in the description, like LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow. Also, yeah, please check out SundayGrids dot com. All right, until the next episode, bye bye. Thanks, buddy. Uh, like ending stream.